Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. You know, you may have needs today, I'm sure you do. And I believe that God is here to meet your needs. God never comes to church to watch. Understand that He comes to be active with us. So you may be sitting here today, we believe in healing in this church. We believe in salvation in this church. We believe in a supernatural uh, God working God, someone who's active all the time. And so even while I'm speaking this morning, the Holy Spirit will be here touching people right where they are, helping people. Those of you that have had such tension because of things that are around about you where you go, you know, and I know that might sound like a small thing to somebody else, but for you, uh, if that's causing pain in your body, just let the Lord heal you today right where you are, right where you sit. The, the things that are overflowing, where you just feel like, I, I just, I'm not quite sure how to get past that. You know what I mean? We all know what it feels like, I think, to get on that treadmill of worry and then not to be able to get off it. And I believe that today God's going to interrupt some of you in your lives and he's going to say, today's the day and I'm going to touch you and heal you in the name of Jesus. Hey, listen, we've been in a fantastic series called Unique. Uh, why are you unique? Because you are unique. Psalm 139 verse 14. You've heard it the last couple of weeks, but here it comes again. It says, I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm a bit of a science nerd. I like listening to podcasts about science and discovering all the things. I was listening to one, believe it or not, this week where they were talking about protein folding. Now, I'm not a doctor and you might go, why would you be interested? Well, it just happened to be on it. And I was listening to them talk about how they know all these proteins and all that they, uh, the results of them, but until recently had no idea how they worked or what their results were. And I think about that scripture when I realised that so much of our body working is so wonderful and so amazing, and yet so much of science, thank God for them all and for all the doctors and nurses and medical specialists that are in this church, but you know, even they will acknowledge there's still so much we don't know that God knows. He says, I've made you, think about it, who you are, you are unique, marvellous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Deuteronomy 26 verse 18, God says that you are a special treasure to Him. In other words, you're not just a random act of evolution. You're not just something that happened to somehow rather come into existence. Not even are you just simply the result of a man and a woman coming together and there you are all of a sudden, this person called you. The Bible says that you are unique. The Bible says that you are special and that God has a plan for your life. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 18 says, God has set the memory. That's believers. He's taken you, each one of them, and He's put you in the body just as He pleased. There's a special place for a special you in this thing called life. And your uniqueness is a gift a gift that has purpose and a gift that has potential. You may not be aware of it. You may be one of those people who goes, I'm nobody special. I think that particularly for those of us born in Australia where we really don't like people that, as we say, are full of themselves. We like everyone to be on the same level. And yet God lifts every one of us 
up to a higher level and he says you are unique and you're special. But of course, if you don't know that or you don't value it, then your uniqueness can be rendered ineffective. One of the things that we've done with red frogs over all the years, one of my favourite sayings I used to say to Hayden when he was the leader of frogs is that no one ever stole a Volkswagen if they had a Rolls Royce in the garage. Uh, Think about that a minute. If you understand the value of what you have, you're unlikely to trade it cheaply. When God says you're special, He wants you to value who you are and what He's made you to be. And yet, of course, we have an enemy who's very experienced at diminishing our value. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10 says that calls him the accuser of the brethren. In other words, there's somebody who's nagging away, nitpicking away, pointing out all your failures, all your mistakes, all the things that you're not great at, all the things that you are uh, maybe make missteps on. And his goal is to make you step back or at least to slow down, to second guess yourself, to become a spectator to your life to get disappointed, to become discouraged. And even if it's possible, what he wants to do is to get you to give up. And sad to say, many people have given up on a dream in their life because somehow or other they felt like, well, I've screwed up so much. That thing back there was such a mistake. That relationship failure, that business error, that thing where my character went out the window for a moment. I've known people who've made the gravest of errors in life even as believers. And yet I've seen God take their life because He's the God of the second chance and He gives them another opportunity to fulfil their destiny. You may have been parked in the lay-by section of the highway of life for some time, thinking to yourself, God will never use me. Look what I've done or look at that thing. I haven't conquered it yet, but I'm here to tell you today that God, if you'll let Him, if you'll put Him in the driver's seat, He'll put the indicator on, pull out into the highway of life and start you going again into the future that He's got for you. But what are the things that slow us down along the way? What are the things that that get us off track of our uniqueness? And I've got to be honest with you, as old as I am and as experienced as I am and as knowledgeable as I might be of this book, I still find myself from time to time getting nudged towards some of these things. Maybe you do as well. Let me go through a couple with you right now. And you pick up on the one that you go, that's where I stumble. That's where I keep slowing down. You know, when I come into a service like this, you know what it's like. You come in here in the worship. And well, of course it lifts you. How else could it do anything else? It lifts you up. And and every time for me, it makes me smile. Smile with the knowledge that God is with us in such a great way or you hear the Word of God and something just lifts your life. But sometimes it's leaked out by the car park or it's leaked out by tonight or by tomorrow morning or halfway through your working week. All of a sudden, the the hope that you carried has diminished. Let's stoke the fire of that a little bit more today. Number one, the first thing that bluntens and renders ineffective our uniqueness, it's pretty obvious, this one, it's the it's, I was going to call it the sin, because it is, the sin of comparison. You know, where I start going, well, I'm not as good as, or alternatively, I'm better than. Either one of those will 
really cause you to stop functioning in your uniqueness. Why? Because they make other people, listen to me, they make other people the measure of you. They make other people the measure of your uniqueness. We live in a world right now where it's easier than it's ever been to know what other people are doing. We've never before in the history of humanity have we made it so easy for you and I to look at what somebody else is doing and go, I'm better than that or for most of us, I'm not as good as that. I'm a little concerned when I see those ads where now, you know, you can get the phone that you can take a photo and change everything in the photo. And I go, whatever happened to laughing at somebody having a, a silly look for a change? I'm not saying silly looks are great, but, you know, haven't you ever done that as a family and go, what was that? You know, look at him, eyes closed again in the photo, you know, or you forgot to do your hair or whatever. You know what I mean? Why? Because humanity is not about being perfect. Humanity is not about getting everything right all the time. It's about fully functioning in the uniqueness that God has given you. And comparison puts a constant focus on other people's gifts. Because the reality is there isn't one of us here that I know of that's number one in your field. Maybe there is. I remember interviewing uh, an athlete once who was number one in the world. I remember I brought him to church. I interviewed him and I said, tell me, what was it like the day they told you you were number one? And they said to me, surprisingly to me, it was the emptiest day of my life. And I genuinely was so shocked. I said, why? I thought you'd be elated. They said, where do I go from here? There's no number one one. I'm already there. Comparison puts the, the wrong emphasis. Most of you will know the story in Matthew 25 that's called the parable of the talents. Verse 14, the kingdom of heaven is like a man travelling to a far country, called his servants, delivered his goods to them, gave five to one, two to another, to another one, to, watch this, to each according to his own ability. They were each unique in what they were able to do. Now, every time I've ever heard anybody ever preach on this, they preach on the guy who gets five and mostly they preach on the guy who gets one. But the person who interests me the most in this story is neither of them, it's the guy in the middle. It's the guy who gets two, who doesn't say to himself, hello, obviously the boss doesn't trust me as much as the five guy. And so what am I supposed to do? I kind of get the one guy going, you know, like did he just kind of have leftovers and he chucked it towards me? Or, you know, was it the last bit left? Like, hello, you know, is there someone coming after me? It gets a half. He's, he, that guy I get and the five guy I get, it's the two guy that I admire the most. It's the guy who goes, you know what? I'm not a five, I'm not a one, I'm just a two, but that's all right. I'm going to allow my gift and my uniqueness in my unique time and I'm going to do whatever I can. We make a mistake when we start thinking that, listen to this, that unique equals first or only. We make a mistake when we think unique means I'm the only one that can do this. The reality is there's a million people can do things I do, but that does not detract from my uniqueness. I don't have to be the first to come up with it. 
in order to be unique. I am unique because God made me so and you are unique because God made you so. And whether somebody else can sing as good as you or better than you is irrelevant to the conversation. Comparison makes me focus on everyone else. 1 Corinthians 12, he's put us in the body as he pleased. And if he's put me in the body as he pleased, then he's, listen to this, he's pleased with where he put me. Are you getting this? He's pleased with where he put me. I don't have to do anything else. When Jesus gets baptised by John the Baptist, he hears a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he hasn't done any miracles yet, preached any sermons yet. He hasn't raised anyone from the dead. He hasn't delivered anybody. He hasn't fed 5,000 or even one. He's done nothing by which other people later on measured his divinity and his messiahship. He's done none of that. And the voice of God comes and says, I'm well pleased in him before he's done anything. Can you believe today that he's well pleased with you no matter how much you achieve or don't? Yes, Jeff. Absolutely, Jeff. You're right. You know that. Jeff, I believe you. Here's the second thing that trips us up is offences. I'm not going to spend too long on this, but you know, in that same parable in Matthew 25, when the one guy gets it brought to account, he says this in verse 14, uh, sorry, verse 24. He says, I knew you to be a hard man. That's the voice of someone who's had an experience. I knew you to be. Somewhere down along the road, he's done something that the boss didn't like. He's done something that wasn't appreciated. And so he's carried this kind of offence, this chip on his shoulder for quite a while. And he's gotten offended at the boss and the master. And this offence keeps tripping him up. So when the boss gives him one talent, which by the way, the last time I worked this out, I think it was something like $350,000 in today's money. One talent. We're not talking about one talent as though he flipped him 50 cents. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars was entrusted to him. And so this guy gets that. And yet even though he gets given that, he, he looks past the generosity and the trust of the boss and goes, I bet he's out to trip me up in some way or other again. I'll do all this stuff and then he's not going to appreciate it. And offences trip him up. In John 6 verse 66, 666, it is, it is one of the most amazing verses to me in the whole of the Bible. It says, from that time, many of his disciples went, disciples went back and walked with him no more. Verse 61 says they were offended at him. They're offended at him. And five verses later, they go, we've had enough of you, Jesus. Even though he's just fed 5,000 men with five loaves and two fish. He's done a visible, supernatural, beyond anyone's understanding miracle in front of everyone. And they go, no thanks, had enough. Does that not scare you just a tad? Does that not alarm you just a little bit? To think that a small, tiny offence like that can cause me to disregard the miracle I saw God do, walk away from that and start going to myself, you know what, I don't need Him after all. Wow. That's what an unresolved offence does. It halts your journey, stops you growing and renders ineffective your uniqueness. Here's number three. 
The third thing that causes us to slow down and to lose the effectiveness of our uniqueness is familiarity. You know, some of you here are so good at something that you don't think anything about it anymore. You're just so talented, you just do it and someone gives you a compliment and you know what you really think inside of yourself? Well, that wasn't much. What, that old thing? Well, anybody could do that. Well, apparently, even though anybody could, anybody didn't. (laughs) Apparently it was you, amen. I've had people say to me over the years, oh, when I've given them a compliment, they say, Pastor, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. And every time they say it to me, I look at them and I say, well, that's funny because it sure looked like you. (laughs) Huh? Familiarity, no big deal. Anyone can do it. Most of you here will know the story when God calls Moses out there on the backside of the desert looking after a few sheep, Mount Sinai. God calls him. And then in verse 1, I think it is, of Exodus 4, then Moses answered and said, but suppose they won't believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. And he said to him, what's that in your hand? He said, it's a rod, a shepherd's staff, a stick. He said, chuck it down. And he chucked it down and it turned into a snake. Day before yesterday, I'm walking through the bush with this stick. This is my walking through the bush or woods or forest, depending on what part of the world you're from. This is my hiking through the bush stick. And I saw just in front of me, about there to that table away, a tiger snake. Oh, serious. You know, I've got to tell you, if the Lord appeared to me, I think about things like this, I really do. I think what it would be like if I was walking through the bush and the Lord appeared to me and said, I've called you. I go, thank you, I knew that. But he says, no, you haven't got it yet. And I go, and then he said to me, what's that in your hand? I go, it's my walking stick, Lord. You know, I've been walking with a stick twice a day, every day for probably about 15 years since Rhonda gave it to me. I've polished the end of it with my hand holding onto it. And he said to me, throw it down. And I threw it down and it turned into a tiger snake. I want you to know that I'm not staying. Oh, I want you to know that when the next thing he says is pick it up, I'm going, no thanks, I'll just get another stick. Like, pick it up. I have never touched a live snake in my life. I'm not going to tell you the rest of that, but uh, let's just, I'm not going to pick it up. And I'm jolly sure when I go home and my wife Rhonda is there and I say, you won't never guess what happened to me today. She says, what happened, darling? And I say, well, sweetheart, there am I walking through the bush and the Lord appeared to me. And he said, what's that in your hand? I showed him this stick, Rhonda. And I threw it down and it became a snake. She's going to say to me, get that stick out of my house. (laughs) And every night before we go to bed, she's going to say, where is that stick? (laughs) I think about Moses walking for how many days, every day picking up this stick and he never ever knew There was a snake in his stick. (laughs) Huh? And I think about you and I and the fact that sometimes what God uses is the most thing we're familiar with, the easiest thing. Not the difficult thing, 
God isn't wanting to get you to the point where you are so illustriously amazing and where everything about you is so incredible that everyone's standing back going, wow, wow, did you see that Solomon Pather? Oh, wow. Oh, what a gift. Huh? Or John Clandermans who turned some birthday this week. Wow, what a guy. Oh, that Andrew Fox. Oh, wow. We're all waiting. Listen, we wait too long for the oh, wow moments and forget that what we've got in our hand is what God wants to use. He said, what's that in your hand? And so I, I think this is, I don't know about the rest, I think this is hilarious. I really do. Because God sends Moses, finally agrees to go. And uh, he goes down to Pharaoh's court. Now, Pharaoh's court, I've been to Egypt and I've been to the museum in Cairo and I've seen the sarcophagi and a lot of other guys as well. And, uh, and uh, uh, the, the, the wealth of the Pharaohs is beyond compare. Gold and precious jewels. So you know when this bloke comes walking in from the wilderness and he's got with him his stick. Pharaoh's stick was encrusted with the biggest, the best and the most expensive jewels there were. When Moses cast down his stick and it turns into a snake, Pharaoh's magicians come and they cast down their sticks, but they never cast down a shepherd's rod. They cast down theirs that were covered in gold leaf, had a diamond set in the top or a ruby or an emerald. And then Moses' dirty old stick from the backside of nowhere swallowed up their sticks. And Moses got all the gold and all the diamonds inside of his stick. And I'm going home and I'm cutting it open. <laughs> What's my point? See, my point is this, that sometimes the, the fact that we've leaned on this thing, it's been a part of our life for so long, and we just take it for granted because we go, well, that's just too easy. When I go down to Hope, like I did this week, and I see Kevin Chatley down there chopping up veggies. Not one veggie, not two veggies. He chopped up a box full of veggies that someone's going to cook to feed to the people that come in that are hungry. I think about that. Can anyone chop veggies? Of course they can. He's not unique. He's not like we didn't go, look, what we really need is an Olympic veggie chopper. (laughs) He's not unique because he's the only or the first. He's unique because he said yes. Because he said, I'm going to do it. See, that's, that's the thing. You'll lose the sharp edge of your uniqueness if you take for granted what God's put in your hand. Don't say to yourself, well, anyone could have done it. I go, yeah, but anyone isn't there. See, I'm unique not because of my gifts. I'm unique because I am where I am. I don't mean on this platform. I'm unique because of where I am in life. Amen. No one's the same age as you, had the same experiences as you. No one is in contact with the same people as you. You're unique. Amen. Don't measure uniqueness by your gift. Say to yourself, I'm unique because of where I am. We've got a thousand of these. 
we had 993 on Friday. I, I thought we were supposed to get 1,000 for the church, but apparently 1,000 was the goal for the whole of Western Australia. But we thought it was our goal, so we just went out and did it. And Tisa told me on Friday, she said, I said, how many? She said, 993. I said, that's wrong. So I went out and bought seven more. Think about it. How ordinary is that? But you know, in the hands of one of the team that's down there with 10,000 young people, this becomes unique. Are you with me? Here's the last one. I'm finished. Team will come in a minute. The fourth thing that trips up our uniqueness and renders it ineffective is a casual attitude. Casualness. You know, they're like, oh, I'll get around to it. You know, like, yeah. You know, oh, I'm busy right now. Second Kings 13, Elisha's dying. I think about this because Elijah passed on his mantle to someone who had the opposite of a casual attitude. Elisha was zealous and focused. I wonder what it'll take for the people around your world to get touched by God. I can tell you what it won't do, or what won't do it rather, and that's a casual attitude. You know, when a crisis comes, you pray, but you don't pray in the other days. 2 Kings 13, he summons the king, king of Israel. He says, come here. He said, open the east window, and he opened it, and Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And then he says, what you're doing right now is a prophetic uh, demonstration of what God's going to do. He says, this is the arrow of the Lord's deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you've destroyed them. Then he goes on and he says, now take the arrows. And he took them. He says, smite the ground with them. And this guy, Joash, is like, oh, look, you know. I don't feel that hot today and this is a sad moment. And so he just goes casually. And then verse 19 goes on and says, the man of God was angry with him. Why? He says, you should have struck five or six. Now, I don't know what the right number for you is. For Elijah up on Mount Carmel, it was seven times. For Naaman the Syrian dipping into the waters of the dirty Jordan River, and I've seen it and it is. For him it was seven times. I, I'm not sure seven's the magic number. I just know that there's, sometimes it's more than one. And sometimes you've got to press beyond your initial attempt. And sometimes you've got to go a bit further than just, a, well, I'll give it a shot. Sometimes you've got to pray a little bit longer. The Bible says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. And it doesn't say how many times you are to knock just until the door opens, that's all. So there are some things I've been praying about for years. But you know, if I just kind of go, oh, well, it must have been the will of God. And that casual kind of a response will stop us because, listen to me, the spirit of just enough robs your uniqueness of its power. I'm not saying just try harder and become more intense as a believer. I'm not talking about that. That would be an emotional response or a mental one perhaps. I'm talking about the thing that you know God has told you that you hold on to. 
Just go, God, I'm going to press in for that in Jesus' name. Jesus told us, go the extra mile, the opposite of a casual spirit. Let me just finish by saying this to you. Please come, team. Let me finish by saying this to you. You are unique in your whole of life. There is no one like you. There's a unique purpose for you. Some of it will come with great revelation and announcement. You'll go, wow, I felt that. Sometimes it'll be chopping up veggies. Sometimes it'll just be doing the same thing again and again. But if you allow God to use your uniqueness in the time and place where you are, who knows what God will do with that? I think about this king that Elisha rebukes and go, I wonder how history would have been different if he'd had a different spirit. Amen. Father, help us today in Jesus' Name. Thank You, Lord, for making us unique. Not just unique because we've got different voice prints and retina scans and fingerprints and DNA and all the other bits that You have so marvellously made so that we are truly unique. No one else on the planet is like us. But Lord, we're unique in where You've put us. This week, some of us, Lord, will have the opportunity to be a voice to somebody and they won't hear anyone else but us. Nobody else would have reached them, but we'll be able to. We'll be in a place, Lord, where we can be a blessing. No one else was there to do it, but we were there. God, we thank You for all the moments. Thank You for the prayers that get prayed by one believer, not going, well, lots of people could be praying. But Lord, we take on the responsibility of what we are there to do. We thank You for it in Jesus' Name. Father, I thank You that Your Word tells us that we're so unique that You sought each one of us out. Your Word says that herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. When the shepherd lost just one sheep, just one percent, he never said, well, thank God I got 99. He left the 99, we're looking for the one. Lord, I thank You that today You're still looking for the one, the person, Lord, who's wondered about You from time to time. They haven't gone on a search, Lord, but they've just been aware in the background, wondering about You. And today, Lord, You're speaking to their heart and their life. Father, thank You for them. Lord, those that are in front of me, those that are with me online, those that will be with me online during this next week and weeks, Lord, would you speak to their heart? Pray, God, that today will be the day they say, Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, I just want to know you. Just while heads are bowed, you know, every week people do this. This week, three people texted yes through to us. Week before, there was people texting yes, saying, I want to start following Jesus. If that's you today, right where you are, I want to pray a prayer that you can make yours. And in making it yours, Jesus will be listening to you. Why? Because you're the one that He's looking for. And if that's you today and you want to say yes to Jesus, don't need to be afraid. I'm not going to embarrass you. That's not the point. This is between you and God and saying, God, I'd like to know you. I really would. Then why don't you make this prayer I'm about to pray yours. Something like this. Lord Jesus. 
thank You for dying for me. Thank You that I matter to You. You want to save me. You want to come into my life. Please forgive me and help me to walk with You for the rest of my life. Thank You, Jesus. Amen. 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 Look this way. If you prayed that prayer this morning, why don't you let us know about it? More importantly, why don't you let us help you? You can do that by, as I mentioned, the people who did it last week, texting yes to 488 If you're in Australia, just text that. Or if you want to get our help via email, you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Either way, you'll get the very next day, if it's on one screen of the smartphone, you'll get a Bible verse and you'll get a prayer. Or you'll get it via email. It's only brief. You'll get a different one every day for 30 days. It'll help you to hear God and then help you to talk to God. Help you to start a relationship with God. Be our joy to do that with you. Absolutely our joy. We'd love that if you would say yes to Christ and respond like that. We don't pester you. The only thing we'll ever do other than that is to let you know when the next water baptism is in case you'd like to do that and follow Jesus in that as well. After 30 days, what happens next? Well, there's more options there of more discipleship, ways of helping you that you can get in for as well if you would like them. Amen. I want us to still applaud because I know that that you you don't get the yes text and you wouldn't even know about it unless I stood up here and told you. But I know that for our team, it's one of the first things we want to know about every week. You know, the yes text coming. Yeah, we celebrate. And every Friday when we meet together as a staff, we're praying for the people who said yes to Jesus. Why? Because they're not just another person out there in, I don't know, IT land or whatever it is. There's someone Jesus loves. Amen. So let's give them a big hand. Come on. Say well done. Oh, my soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Team are going to come. We're going to share communion together this morning. And so I'd love it if our host team would come. Just so you know, uh, you know, this is not a compulsion. If you'd like to be a part of it with us, take a, one of the cups that's got a piece of bread in it. Take the other one that's got the juice in it. Then hold that until we've all been served. Then we'll stand together as the family of God that we are. And we'll eat and drink together while we do that. And uh, our team is going to lead us and we're going to worship God together. Just let, come on, let the presence of God. I still feel like God is here to heal. God is here to help. God's here to touch in Jesus' name. God's here to unlock. God's here to unlock some of you where things that you've stumbled over and you've been crying out to God for, saying, oh God, how long have I got to put up with this? Lord, how long was it? He's going to help you today in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing it together while we're seated. Thank you, team.
sing the next part of this, Tessie. Come on. Sits to a thousand generations. We're believing for that over every life, over every family. Come on, those of you here who've got loved ones that maybe are walking with God, why don't you declare it for them today in Jesus' name? Your children and their children, yes, Lord. Their children and your favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. Stand together, shall we, if we can. If you're able to stand, stand with us a minute. The Bible says that on the night Jesus was betrayed, He took bread and He broke it. He said, this is my body, broken for you. Broken so you don't have to be broken anymore. Father, I pray today for people here that are in a place right now where they feel broken. They feel that things aren't going the way they're meant to go. Maybe their health or their family relationships or whatever it might be. Holy Spirit, I just believe again today that you're here to deliver. You're here to set free. You're not here, Lord, to watch us wade through our pain. You're here to help. You're here to save. Thank you, Jesus, for that. So, Lord, as we eat this bread, drink this cup, we're drinking in your wholeness for our life. We're taking in, Lord, every promise that You have for us. We believe You're going to help us today. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's eat and drink together as a family of God.
Amen means so be it. Come on. Come on, declare that today. God, I believe that over my life, over my family, in the name of Jesus. Oh, I declare so be it. So be blessing. So be strength. So be peace in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. God bless you. Hey, be seated for a moment, would you? Pass the glasses to the end of the road. They'll get collected from you there. I really pray today that you'll go out of this place saying, you know what? I'm not unique because I feel better than anyone else. I'm not unique because no one else has got my gifts and talents. But God, you put me where I am. Amen. Amen. When you go to heaven, Jesus isn't going to say, well done, good and famous servant. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Amen. I love the fact that I'm a part of something. I may never be famous in the way the world talks about it, but I can be doing something great. What a beautiful thing that is. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, we really do. I thank you that this week you'll use us in ways that will look so ordinary. It'll just be that familiar old thing that we've done week before. And God, you'll take it and do something special with it in the name of Jesus. Amen.